Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. This is the podcast where you control the conversation right here at the critically acclaimed network. My name is William Bibiani. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold, and they call me the Kwisatz Haderach. Yes, your name is a killing word. <laughs> uh, for the purposes of this email, you can call me Rockmeister McCool, and that yeah. sounds a bit like a killing word. Sure. Uh, yeah, this is our email podcast, and here's how it works. <laughs> uh, if you listen to our shows, we're very grateful for that. We want to give you a forum to talk about what you want to talk about, ask us questions, take us to task if the moment arises. Uh, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We would love to hear from you there. We also have a P.O. box. Whitney, what is our P.O. box? Uh, you can mail us an actual physical letter at uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Do it today. And? And we got one. We have an actual physical letter. We, we don't go. always have one every week, gonna, but whenever we do, we like to open with fact, it. Because gonna, you, gonna, you, you went the extra mile, didn't you? I'm going to flap the paper on Mike just you know, yeah. to give you that, that tangible experience yeah. that... What is it? A A M S R A S M R A S M R feeling. Yeah. Where you get that yeah. sort of pleasant. Uh, this is a letter that comes from the letter C. Oh, it's brought to you by the letter C. Um, yeah, if, if you're going to sign off with uh, a pseudonym or you don't sign off at all, I'm not going to read your name like off an envelope. Or no, we want to. You will be credited how you chose yeah, so, to be credited, and how we know that is that's how you signed off yeah, so, of your email or your letter. So this comes from C. Hello, C. Thank you Hello. for mailing us an actual letter. It's very exciting, uh, dear gentlemen. Last time, I sent you a letter about your statistics. This time, to celebrate your 200th episode, even though your podcast numbers are 100 off, uh, I thought I'd send it, I think, uh, including uh, the B-Movies podcast going it's, way back. I don't know. Did I, just, did I just write the number down wrong? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Let me um, check. Oh, did, did you, like, post something about the wrong I number? I might have. Um, no, uh, anyway, the, the letter continues. I thought I'd send an updated stats list. I meant to send this right after episode 200, but alas, I am a theater worker and Spider-Man No Way Home has murdered us. My heart Ugh. goes out to you. As, as somebody who's worked in movie theaters his whole life, I know what that feels like. <laughs> I was there in the trenches. For Batman Forever. Ooh. I was there for Independence Day. I was there for Twister. The summer of uh, the Rock Twister uh, and the Phantom. See, see, my my movie. I only worked at a movie theater for like one summer, uh-huh. and it was an independent movie theater. And so we had stuff like Mean Creek <laughs> and <laughs> not, the Motorcycle Diaries. Not exactly knocking doors down. No, no, we didn't have to. We didn't. We didn't have to beat everyone off with a stick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, no, I was. I, I got to work Mission Impossible. All those big mm-hmm. hits from the nineties. Yeah, I was there for a lot of those. Wow, and it was it was rough. Um, to reiterate, I have accumulated your stats based on movies reviewed, which means short films and other miscellaneous reviews do not count. Okay. Uh, you also have to state your rating for a review clearly for it to be counted, C plus, C or C minus, or else it was labeled forgot to rate. Uh, since the last letter, I've dug up your first 38 reviews. Thankfully, Collider still has them up on their YouTube page. Oh, that's nice of them. Oh, okay. Well, that, uh, it's nice that they're somewhere. Yeah. Um, this means that your stats now uh, include episodes 1 through 38 and 97 through 203. Sadly, numbers 39 through 96 are still MIA. Ah, crap. Now, without further ado, let's crunch some numbers. Oh, and uh, if Bibbs wants to guess like last time he can. So, okay, let's do it. Uh, from 1 to 38 and then from 97 to 203, we reviewed 689 total films. Uh, William reviewed 416, and I reviewed 536. Uh, Aren't you the overachiever? I I guess, jeez. I swear I watch a lot of movies, I swear. Oh yeah, 416, what a piddling number. (laughs) 
<laughs> real underachieving there. Um, Whitney's rated reviews. Uh, C plus is 208. C is 183. And C minus is 120. Uh, one D. And, <laughs> and I forgot to rate 24. Uh, Bibbs rated reviews gave uh, C plus is 155. C's mm. 117. C minus is only 95. One D. Uh, forgot to rate 46. Ah. And two got a B. <laughs> How did I do that? Wait a minute. <laughs> Not exactly. Was I, was I... Maybe you're like spacing out and you said B instead uh. of C. Was like, did I, what did I, maybe I just loved. There were just two films I loved, and I had to give him a B. Give him by, like a I give him a B for Barb and Star, go to Vista there Del Mar. In a surprising twist, uh, Bibbs uh, rated films, two, two films as a B on episode 184, which were Boyfriends of Christmas Past oh and The French Dispatch. Since my last letter, you guys have only rated... <laughs> I like the French Dispatch. I didn't. Uh, I wanted to give it a C. Oh, I gave these movies a C. <laughs> Since my last letter, you guys have only rated opposingly once more, one C plus, the other C minus, uh, which was Halloween Kills, making mm. the total opposed films uh, five out of 689. To be fair, I think there's a lot of films where like you're a C plus and I'm a C, yeah, or I'm a C and you're a C minus, that kind but of thing. only five where Completely one of us is a C plus and the other opposed. is a C minus. Yeah. Uh, Bib's highest percentage of ratings is C plus at uh, 37%. 7.3%. Oh. Uh, Whitney's, people say I'm a harsh critic. And Whitney's know. C pluses are at 38.8%. Also pretty good. Um, statistically, both of you are still giving out more positive ratings. We Well, we're the nice ones, aren't we? I, I suppose so. We're the nicest I, I need, film critics I, I around. Need, I think I need to be, you know, as Eddie Izzard said, more of a bastard. Or is it bastard or bastard that Eddie Izzard said? I think said said like bastard. Uh, well, Either way, I'm not a huge fan she, of that term. It's not like someone's, you know... It's completely lost its original meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just a general pejorative now. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on a semi-unrelated note, I wanted to ask your opinions on the current film oh. criticism landscape. Over the years, you've stated that film criticism doesn't pay the bills. But if that is so, is it possibly for younger film critics to make this into the, a job today? If being a newcomer means struggling to get published only to be paid nothing, is it even worth trying to get published at a high-traffic film site? Younger film critics are finding an audience on YouTube, but video reviews are not as in-depth as written ones. Is written criticism dying? I tried being a critic for the last seven years, and in 2021, I gave up. Looking back on it, I feel proud to have been able to put together my own film blog and was even asked to do a few interviews, but it was never sustainable. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the matter of where you see criticism today and where it's possibly going to go, and will there be a place for younger critics to thrive in a world where more people seem to be decrying critical opinion with each passing year? I appreciate all you two have done. Sincerely. See, uh, well, thank, thank you, you so much for all of your statistics. Fold this letter up and put it back in its envelope. Yeah, we're going to organizational that. It's purposes. Go in the files. Um, oh, it's, and it's look, it even has some adhesive still on it. Nice. That is a very thoughtful question. And um, if you've been paying attention, okay, you need to put that down. It's a little. I'm a little it at least put it like don't crinkle go. it next to the microphone while I'm trying to talk. All right, sorry. Um, yeah, it's a great question, and as often happens. Uh, people are currently, as we speak, decrying film critics mm. for being out of touch and not wanting to die from COVID. Uh, so, you know, there's that. Well, the, we're, the, the trend right now, it's trendy mm. right now to lambast critics. It it's usually never not is. trendy yeah. to lambast critics. Critics have never been popular. That's the kind of the uh, whole point of critics is yeah. that we're the ones who are allowed to say when everyone else is enjoying it, what if that isn't good? Or when everyone else says, this is bad, a critic's allowed to say... Well, I liked it for these reasons. 
and, uh, and nobody likes the outlier. The, the, the thing <laughs> is, always, uh, he'll always jump uh, on us because of like social media and online. You know, when mm. uh, film reviews were first published online back in the mid nineties, I'd say. Yeah, well, film reviews, film reviews were first published in print, but when they were first no, when, when they were first published, when they were first published online. To be clear, okay. Uh, the whole deal with the early days of the internet was it's an interactive medium now. You can interact. You can post what you like. But it's not just publishing. Now you can post something and there's a little window underneath the article where somebody can leave a comment. Ooh, that was the innovation they used. exciting. What a wonderful dialogue to, we can yeah, have. Yeah, to, to sort of open up. the. It's now interactive and you can leave your mm-hmm. comment or you know, rebut what they're saying in the review. Mm-hmm. That was the beginning of the end. Yeah, uh, we and, really didn't see how bad that could get. And, you know, yeah. So you look at comments sections and all of a sudden it just you know devolves very quickly into people calling each other names and now there's well, entire websites like Twitter and Reddit which are nothing but comment sections basically and uh, it's and it's sad because like critics i mean there's 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 always bad critics out there just like there's mm-hmm. always bad plumbers and there's always bad tech support people and there's good, always good bad, bad chefs. Yeah. yeah there's always there's always someone who isn't good at what they're doing or isn't doing it for the right reason or doing it uh fairly or ethically there's always a jerk uh but people who are doing it well people are doing it right people are doing it for the right reasons they see something that they care about, whether they love it or hate it, they care about it and they want to write about it. And then they do. And they, whether they're new at this and just finding their voice or they've been at it for a long time and it comes pretty easily, they put their thoughts onto a page and they write them carefully. They want to make sure that they are understood by people who read them, that their ideas are uh, presented clearly, hopefully entertainingly. And that when someone is done reading it, they say, wow, I saw another perspective today. Mm-hmm. Or I saw a perspective like mine, but maybe I understand it even more now. And then someone gets to just write underneath that, this movie sucks! Yeah, or, and that's that. Or, and they're, or, or dumb. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then just get to the trash. And that's like, and that sucks because we're sharing that same space. The people who, not everyone is operating on the same level of intent or effort or care and that's not to say but, that but their voices are the equal volume now. that's the problem so, is that yeah. the voices are the equal volume and i'm not saying that we shouldn't be able to say it sucks sure fine but it's not re- it's it's mm. kind of missing the point of trying to write something articulate and thoughtful you don't when you buy a novel from a, a bookstore i hope or wherever you get your novels from you get a novel and then you read a chapter and you say oh how interesting i've started to understand these characters and then you don't see someone like having written in in ballpoint this this chapter sucks needs oh, well, more blood it, it it depends on what kind of books you get um, i've 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 bought books from used bookstores that still have the notes in the margins. It's not the norm, is my point. No, it's but, not what you're supposed to be and, doing. And in fact, that's actually really amusing. Um, there's yeah. a, one of my favorite Onion headlines is uh, underlining in Plato's Republic stops on page fourteen. Uh, it's, <laughs> okay, well that's that's study. That's not that's, that's not it's, interactivity. It's study, that's, but yeah, yeah. I've, I've I I read I bought a copy of yeah. uh, William Faulkner's The Sound and the Fury at uh-huh. one point. Just oh, well, that's, because that that signifies nothing. Oh my god, you you did it. That was very clever. <laughs> William Faulkner didn't make that joke, but um, uh, somebody wrote on the back, uh, like, this book was a horrible waste of time. I hated reading it. Don't buy this book. So, of course, I bought the book if somebody wrote it on. So, I still have that copy. That's fine. Um, But that's that's kind of what um, a a modern film review is. It's something where a lot of people have written in the margins now, and it's all really distracting, and it's surrounded by noise. The idea of a critic publishing a review and then stepping back... um, Having said what they meant to say. Having said what they want to say, now, um, because people can interact with it, and if the critic is not... 
all of a sudden the critic is, is accused of having some sort of like Olympian distant point of view. Like they're yeah. they're affecting some sort of elitist. Of, yeah. Uh, uh, how how dare you be elitist? Well, presumably if they're a film critic, they're at least something of an expert. Yeah. At the very least, they see a lot of movies. That's what you can yeah. take for granted about a critic. Yeah. They see a lot mm. of movies and they care enough about movies mm. to write about them. That's it. Basically. Yeah, the, I, I used to, I used to say this a lot. The only thing you can be sure about a critic is they've seen more movies than you have. Uh, Hope. That's, 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 that's the idea. That's the idea. Yeah, the I, I know there's a, ask, a lot of casual really. fans who also see a lot of movies and aren't mm. professional critics, yeah. but the idea is you might be able to glean from the fact that they see a lot of movies that they at least can recognize trends or uh, what is d- differentiate what is good versus yeah. what is bad. In any Perhaps. case, in any case, there's a lot of different kinds of critics mm. out there. There are people who want to like disseminate scenes in great detail. There are people who want to uh, look at things through more of a cultural lens or sociological mm. lens. There are people who like uh, looking at. Um, uh, sort of the nuts and bolts of technicalities. Uh, there are people who mostly care about how things make you feel, and there are people who care. There's there's all different kinds of ways to write about movies. Um, and unfortunately, in the last 20 years, and then mostly in the last 10 years, and especially in the last five years, mm-hmm. uh, the market for that has gone way the hell down, and yeah. there are fewer publications that will pay enough that you don't have to do other things with your life. Mm-hmm. There are even fewer publications. Uh, uh, then there are also publications that will pay, like, a, a little... But not enough to really make a dent in anything, and there's a lot of publications that won't pay anything at all. Yeah, and so a lot of critics are left to their own devices now, and there are means by which you can make a living at this if you can find yourself an audience, if you can build an audience. Things like Patreon. We have a Patreon, mm-hmm. and thank God we do, because otherwise we couldn't do this. Um, but uh, there's also things like on YouTube and Streamlabs and Twitch, mm-hmm. and there's all different kinds of ways uh, to donate. And I think that's where a lot of people are going. Um, that's probably the most reliable future is people who care about this enough and who find enough of a voice and an audience that they are able yeah, to yeah. make that sustainable. I suspect that's the most that's the most reasonable future film criticism yeah, has the, right uh, now, but that's there's no stability in that, unfortunately. There's no stability in it. Uh and yeah. um it it's it's, I forgot which critic said this, but they uh, they stated that at one point in sort of the, the history of film criticism, when newspapers first began to fold mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, just enthusiasts started posting reviews online. Mm-hmm. And this was you know, sort of back in the days of live journal and you could post yeah. articles and blogs. The 90s. Uh, when, uh, around there, maybe a little yeah. later. But yeah. um, f- this was when like mo- when newspapers were shuttering. So this was like mid-2000s. Okay, mid-2000s. Like, um, so. Film... Criticism as a profession was waning. Yeah. The idea of getting a job at a paper and being the regular critic was mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. Uh, but film talking about film as an activity and being very, very eloquent about film uh, only increased. And yeah. more and more people are actually well, are, are better versed in film and filmmaking and the fineries of the way movies are made mm-hmm. now than they've ever been. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of the conversations that are being had actually are very intelligent. I agree. And uh, and this is not from professional critics. This is just from people who know film. Yeah. And this is this is great in terms of film literacy, um, in terms of yeah. communication. There's a lot of there's uh, a, there's a lot of people who who struggle with this, but there are a lot of people who maybe don't have like the quote unquote formal education who are incredibly intelligent and insightful. Oh, and there's there's really wonderful mm. stuff being made. All the time. The uh, the unfortunate thing is this is coinciding with sort of a 
dive in uh, film theaters the last two years have Mm. seen a lot of theaters shuttering uh, thanks to the pandemic and um, they're not going to recover. Not they're just not entirely. No, no. Some might reopen, but this is not, we're not going back to a time when all of these theaters are going to be reopened again. Mm -hmm. They're going to be demolished. And, uh, and if they, and and if they, and if they survive, they're not going to be showing stuff like power of the dog all the time. Exactly. Uh, Spider-Man pushed everything mm -hmm. outside of theaters. Why? Because that's the only thing people are buying tickets to on mass. So when it comes to like cinema, uh, a lot of the people who are now really well versed in talking about film have a lot less to talk about. I, I don't. I don't agree with that. Well, l- l- let me let okay. me get to my point here. Um, I thought that was your point. My bad. No, just they they have. Um, in, in terms of where the conversation is going to go, it's going to go to what's getting the most publicity. It's going to get what's playing in the most theaters first. Okay. And as such, the conversation is going going to feel very stagnated. When you go onto social media, you're going to see a lot of conversations about the new Spider-Man film and not necessarily about anything else um, until you start to acknowledge that theaters aren't the primary source of film anymore. Okay. Now we're Uh, okay. I see where you're going. Okay. I was about Uh, to say. If you're yelling at the you, if you're yelling at the podcast, yeah, I was waiting for him to get there too. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, we're not all going to can, can I please make my point before you interrupt me? You can interrupt me now. Go no, no, but you're right. and, and you and you're making an excellent point. A lot of people are like, we have to save theaters. It would be very nice to save theaters, mm. and I hope theaters survive. And I'm sure on some level they will. Uh, but. There's there's this headline that was just like film critics should see movies the way everyone sees movies and I'm like at home because that's where most people watch movies. Most people only go to a theater a few times a year. Mm. People are watching movies more and more and more at home on streaming services mostly and on some we lose something with that but we also gain something with that. People are watching a lot of movies. People are taking more chances on movies because they're not spending as much money per film. To take a chance on them. And they might watch movies in genres from other countries that they might not otherwise have been tempted to. Because every movie is a gamble. Um, And I think that's all really, really exciting. And I think... When we look at how film criticism is sort of changing, we look at people who want to talk about films as though in a more of a friendly way, more of a communal way. Mm -hmm. Where let's watch movies together. Um, The internet has allowed us to... Uh, hear, read about, and see other people's thoughts and opinions, uh, but it's also it does keep us at a distance. When we're at home on our computer, or when we're watching something on our laptop or iPad, uh, we're not with that group of people mm-hmm. who are having that conversation on that podcast or on that video. But by having that tone of join us, we are a community. We're in this together, which we try to foster here. Uh, I think it brings us all a little closer together, even though we're not necessarily in a theater sharing that same communal experience. Mm, and I think that's that's a that is a good thing, and I think that's something positive that film mm. critics can do. Um, is the the other question I think is really important here is is print criticism dead? And I'm going to say this: uh, never. Mm. <laughs> it's never going to be dead. I was working uh, 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 for a place, and they were doing that thing where we were pivoting to video, and we weren't going to do as much Pivot, uh, pivoting to video. Yeah, and we weren't going to do as much. And they're like, "Oh, we're not going to do as much uh, print." And I'm like, "Great. What are people going to read while they're watching our videos? <laughs> because people multitask, and yeah, people yeah. read constantly. They might not read the same things, or they might not read at as much in depth stuff as they used to." But there is always a place for the printed word. And 
I think, you know, and again, we might not be able to get paid as much for it, but the printed word is valuable. The printed word has an impact. The printed word uh, means something. And so I think that's always going to be valuable, but it's probably not going to be the main source of a lot of critics' incomes. Yeah. For the, I can't imagine when that's going to change. I think that's, that's going to, a few people are going to get some really cushy gigs, and then the other 99% of critics are not going to get those gigs. And they're going to have to figure out something else. So, for anyone who is thinking about becoming a film critic, um, I'm, I'm going to say something that I was told every single day in every single class I had in film school. Mm. If you're in this to make money, there are easier ways. Oh, yeah. Don't do this to make money. You're doing this because this is what you want to do, because doing something else wouldn't be wouldn't mm. please you, wouldn't make you feel like you're living your life the way you want to. I believe it. There's so many other things I could be doing right now that would be a wiser fiscal choice <laughs> for for my future. I like I look I, when you talk about oh what are you going to do when you retire? Ask a film critic that sometime. They will laugh in your face. What, when I what? What when are you I, talking about? I will be doing this until I die because there's no other option. You know, you know, um, you know how Rex Reed still has his job at the Observer and he's yeah. like 83. Yeah. Rex Reed's not eager to stop. No. He's going to keep on doing that. Yeah. So so we, we do this because it's what we do. We do this because it's what we care about. If that's you, welcome. If you want to just try it out and see if it's for you, welcome. If you want to do it for a little while and then do something else, welcome. We need mm -hmm. more people and, to share their honest, open, hopefully and, uh, thoughtful thoughts and commentary about art because it makes uh, us all better and more interesting yeah. as people. That said, if you want to give up, bon chance. Go, uh, go for it. It's not for everybody. It's not this, for everybody all the time. Is, uh, yeah, if, if you're tr really trying to make a living at it and that make this sort of the way you're going to do it, it's yeah. going to be a struggle. Yeah. Uh, it's There are fewer jobs for fewer people mm -hmm. and you know the, the general distrust of expertise has been leading a lot of outlets to hire new staff like fire the old well there was there was that job offering i saw online it was like we're looking for a critic who will speak to the people so we're looking for someone with no experience in film yeah, whatsoever yeah. and i'm like well then you're gonna have to fire them in a couple of yeah, months because they're gonna get good at it well yeah, i was gonna <laughs> say how how long are they going to be doing that job yeah. before they become an expert yeah uh, that's why you can't get rid of critics there will they will always be that niche filled mm. someone will always be like well could someone say something about this movie that's popular uh okay and then boom we have asked them to do that a few more times and now they're a film critic and, and we're so, back yeah. where we started and there are plenty of experts out there who are also floundering they they had a nice cushy gig uh the av club is an example of this oh, God, look so up, tragic if you look at what's happening at the av club oh, uh, they their offices were based in chicago and they wanted to move their offices to la yeah and they said to their like chicago, corporate not like the writers cor yeah, yeah. yeah corporate well they but corporate said to their writers uh -huh. if you want to keep your jobs you also have to move to la and they were a little taken back aback by that it's it was like, really sudden can't really force us to move to la and yeah. a lot of them were still kind of deciding were, or thinking well, they had about a time kind of, limit yeah. and then before the time limit ran out they started they, looking for people to fill po those posting positions. job listings in dude. la i felt like such a dick because i applied for one oh, with dude. and then it, it was like later that day i went onto twitter and i saw like uh some of the writers saying hey look what they did it's like oh shit. oh okay so it was an accident it was an accident yeah, 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 I, you, you know, saw a job but you was, i yeah. saw a job it was like, oh great a writing yeah. gig i'll apply for that and uh it's like yeah. oh the av club they're probably expanding their team he's oh, set no. optimistically it's like oh, oh no. no i just applied i essentially applied to be a scab so yeah. i I apologize to Katie. Well, Wright. you wouldn't have taken the job. <laughs> no, you wouldn't no, have no. taken the job that often. No, no, and I respect that. Th that's you. that's yeah. not the most ethical thing. Well, you didn't know. Um, you, you, you didn't do all. The, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You're, you, I'm, I'm, mm. You deserve some slack for that. Anyway, we're we're off in the weeds. Long and short of it, 
Uh, it's not easy to be a film critic. It is not. You're not going to make a lot of money if you're a film critic unless you find a way to monetize yourself outside of that system. It is great to be published in print. It is great to be published by a, by a major publication. It's really, really awesome. I've done it a few times, and it's really, really nice. Uh, but that's not where the sustainability is. You're basically going into business for yourself. Yeah. Uh, if you pursue it, pursue it to the best of your abilities. Never uh, assume that you know everything you need to know. Always stay curious. Always do more research. And remember, on top of talking about whatever is popular, you are also the guardian of all that came before. So make sure you know something about film history and that you try to keep it alive and contemporary and present so that more people can find it too. Yeah. yeah. Best advice I can give you. Let's move on. Uh, that took a, that took uh, a bit. That's no, fine. It was a big, uh, it was a big subject. It was yeah, a big subject. Uh, here is a letter from Eric. Hi, Eric. Hi, Eric. Um, gentle beings, I hope this message finds you in good health and in good spirits and ready to take on the new year. Woo! Um, I'm as ready as... a an opossum in the bottom of a trash can. Um, <laughs> That's quite ready, that is. Oh, yes. I'm ready to hiss at whatever passes by. Uh, it occurred to me uh, that Holy Batman uh, is in its home stretch. True. Yeah, we're, we're near the end of that series. And uh, there will be an open slot in the critically acclaimed network roster, and I hope you will <laughs> consider my suggestion. Uh, the Wonderful World of Whitney. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no. Each week, Whitney will watch and review a different Disney Channel original property. Oh, no. Why, why just me? Why can't it be both of us? Oh, anyway. Because okay. it's more fun because you don't like it. Well, I don't know I don't like it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, but you, I, you, 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 you sulk whenever the topic comes up. I, I, I don't admire Disney as a corporation. Well, neither do I. But there are great artists working for it. True. I'm not, I'm not going to decry everything that comes out of it. I just don't like the company, and I'm not going to be fair. on the side of the company. No, no, I agree. Uh, I agree. Anyway, uh, for instance, Dog with a Blog. <laughs> about the zit. Hang on a second. You lost a... No. Dog with a... That's a, a real show. You didn't think that was a real show? No. Whitney <laughs> didn't believe in Dog it's on with a Blog. Dog with a Blog, uh, 2012 sitcom, three seasons to not Disney+. You could have just asked. I could have told okay, you. Okay, well, Dog with a Blog about the zany misadventures of a bucolic <laughs> suburban family whose pet comments on the action via his blog. I hope the dog is a collie so it can be a bucolic. Oh, God. No, what's, it's bucolic. What, what's a dog breed that rhymes with dog and blog? It's got to be one, um, right? Um, uh, the presumably blog? because dog rhymes with blog, I guess. Right. Dog with a blog. Austin and Allie about the zany misadventures of Austin, an up-and-coming pop star who can't write music, and his best friend Allie, a music savant with stage fright, mm. and their two wacky friends, all of, a par- all of whom apparently don't have parents. <laughs> well, <if laughs> no one the, has parents in the kids' I, movies. I was about to say, if it's on the Disney Channel, nobody it's has no parents. It's so fun if there are parents. Wouldn't it be great if they all went home to, like, an alleyway. Oh, God. Like they just live Something on the really, street. Yeah, it's really, really sad, like, yeah. There's a sad part of their life. Yeah, it becomes a, it's, just, it's really, really cute. And then the last five minutes of every episode is super Dickensian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I had a potato today. <laughs> it's like a day in the life of Ivan Denisovich. Um, oh, God. Also, Shake It Up about the zany misadventures of Zendaya and Bella Thorne. Oh, my. As two unpopular teenagers. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Those two were never popular. Yeah, Zendaya is a charismatic mm. black hole. And, like, there's nothing. There's no, she's not the most interesting person and, in entertainment and, yeah, and Be- Bella Thorne is not the least bit dazzling. Yeah. Uh, as two unpopular teenagers who also work as dancers on a TV show and still can't get dates from boys. Sure. Yeah. You know what? Maybe they're like murderers or something. Yeah, there you go. Like, they go out in public and they just start like, strangling like, people. And the That's reason, and the reason why they can't get dates isn't because they're not, like, interesting or, or mm. gorgeous. It's because they're just like, we know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> 
They can't get dates from boys. They're gay. Of course they can't get dates from boys. They're dating each other. <laughs> That's they That's solved your plot. There, there you go. go. It's done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Disney has dozens and dozens of shows yeah. like this, so this show could poss- potentially last for years. But before you say no, <laughs> <laughs> this new show would only be available at the $10,000 a month critically ashamed oh tier. If anyone wants to pay us at that tier, we will happily I'll, do I'll, so. I'll review whatever the heck I will want. review literally anything for I will, that much money. I will, you know what? I will not review a snuff film. That's okay, well then, a, yeah. Okay, I, yeah, I agree. I, I will not be a party to a crime. There you go. I will not be a party and to a crime. I will I will review yeah. anything that's, uh, well, I'll review something that's illegal, but if only the the laws that are being <laughs> broken are like copyright laws or something. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. yeah you know, those victimless crimes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, hell, yeah. well, if, even if you go with a different concept for a new show, I'm sure I'll find it informative and amusing. When episode zero covered Rocky Horror, I learned about a vast number of films I was previously unfamiliar with. Keep Thank up you. the great work. Eric. Thank you so much. Um, we we uh, For those who are wondering what we're talking about here, if you're not on our Patreon, over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, this is how we make money. Mm-hmm. Um, we we One of our exclusive shows is a show called Holy Batman, and it's spelled with a W, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Mm-hmm. And we've been reviewing every single episode or story arc, if there's a multiple part episode, of the 1960s Batman starring Adam West, Burt Ward and a whole cavalcade of celebrities as every legendary Batman villain. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, uh, but it, we're almost done. We have a few more episodes left in the last season, and then we're going to cover some of the uh, the bonus stuff, some TV movies that came out afterwards, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But when that's done, we're going to have to come up with something else to do yeah, on that Patreon. And we've been kicking around some ideas. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we don't know what they are yet, yeah. so we're not going to say what I'll, they are. I'll tell you one that got vetoed, uh. Uh, which was, uh, what was it called? Um I was, I was something to the effect of that swamp thing you do, and oh, it was yeah. going to be every single episode <laughs> I, I, of the live action swamp was, thing and the animated swamp that, thing. I, I would have called it swamp thing. You make my heart sing. Also good, mm. but uh, yeah, there's there's a shocking number of live action swamp thing episodes, like mm. and and also animated swamp thing episodes. I thought that would be kind. Of, I'm talking about from like the eight, from like the nineties when he had a show in USA, not the one that mm. everyone knows from the CW. Um, Whitney. I, I, wisely shot I, I that down. On like that. that's was, probably too niche. It's it's, it's I'm not sure there's a, there's too much of it. Yeah. Uh, how much could we really? Uh, I mean, we said a lot about Batman. And, yeah. Uh, but how much do we really have to say about how, Swamp Thing? Like, every how, yeah. Week? How deep is Swamp Thing? And yeah. Swamp Thing doesn't really have the same kind of cultural clout See, as as a character like Batman. What I want to do, like I always want to do the really really weird stuff. Like I would love to dedicate mm. an entire uh, uh, podcast. One podcast per episode mm. uh, to the uh, short-lived two-season crime series "18 Wheels of Justice," uh, which uh, is about a guy who has uh, really who, big roller skates. He's got a, <laughs> wow, it's got a guy in a really big truck who solves crimes with G. Gordon Liddy. Um, <laughs> that's a real fucking thing. It lasted two two seasons of "18 Wheels of Justice." I would love that. I think it's probably okay. too niche. There, there's a moment on the set of 18 Wheels of Justice. <laughs> Not on the set. It's like back in the offices. Yeah. And like they've, they've wrapped filming for the day. They go back to the office and they're like, well, we we did it, guys. They're lighting up cigarettes. We finished our first season. So what do we do? What happens if this keeps going? And they get the phone call and they all look at the ringing phone with like a combination of hope and dread. Yeah. Like, like oh, God, what oh if God, they want more? They want more of this. Well, fuck it. Yes! <laughs> Pick up the phone. 
they get cracking on season two of 18 wheels of justice. We have so many more places we can take this. Anyway, uh, what's, what's going to happen probably is Whitney and I will narrow down our ideas to a couple and we'll leave it up to a vote for our patrons. Mm. Uh, but amongst, amongst the ones that get a lot of, get a lot of traction. People, people have asked for, uh, is twin peaks, which would be a wonderful rewatch. And I have been trying to get this guy to watch Farscape for forever. And I'm hoping we do. Because it's only like three and a half seasons. Like, I feel like yeah. that's that's totally doable. Um, so I, I'm going to push for that one, can't, but we'll can't see. Can't be as bad as Firefly. Oh, no, 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 no. Firefly, no. You, Firefly was a bit Firefly, of a wrestling match. Firefly did not, did not age as well as people might think. <laughs> it has turned to vinegar in many ways. Um but I think Farscape holds up pretty good, so right. we'll see. Well, well, but you shall see us as Also, well. yeah, I thought Firefly uh, would as well. I was very wrong. Oh, my. Mm. If you want to just hear, like, the wind slowly go out of our sails, go back to our Patreon-exclusive uh, podcast where we did every single episode of Firefly. And it's like, hey, we're finally covering the show! Oh, I hope mm. it gets better, right? What, this, oh, oh, no. This, oh, no. Oh, this oh. one was really... Okay, it's like there's three, like... Pretty decent episodes. It's like three in there. really good yeah. episodes. Like it's not a total watch, but like it's a, just, just overall, like they never got yeah. the tone right, and the characters yeah. it was way too it's crowded. Some, and some mean, ugly stuff yeah. in that episode from the heroes, and not like not on like a yeah, it's not like, on like what an exciting you know like it's, anti-hero kind of way, but just in a I hate this. Yeah. These people way yeah like yeah. Mal the main character of the show oh, is my awful. least favorite character he's awful in that show like we like mm. we, we like the moments with them but the, everything around them is awful yeah. anyway we we should move on right. uh, here's a letter from Eric but a different Eric uh, oh. this is Eric uh, Eric Palooza Eric Mark Two um dear Bibbs and so forth oh uh, is that all I am to you um. I was going to do a to-do list from last year, and I ran across a question I meant to ask you after one of your shows. Mm. I do not remember what it was that you said in the show uh, that made me wonder this, and I don't even remember what the show I was listening to at the time. Okay. So this will be coming out of nowhere. I'm fascinated. Fine. All right. I love questions out of Let's nowhere. Let's do it. Uh, imagine, if you will, a world in which the producers of The Twilight Zone had decided not to re- uh, do a remake of The Twilight Zone. I'm guessing this is like... Paramount Plus Twilight Zone. Uh, but they've done a few uh, times, they're, haven't they've they? Done it a couple they times. did it in the 80s, but they had, did it on UPN. Uh, but uh, had decided not to do a remake of The Twilight Zone, but rather do another movie like they did in 1983. Ah, okay. Uh, with four different stories as told by four different directors. What modern-day directors would you like to see, and what Twilight Zone story would you want them to do? That is kind of neat. I think we should out of... Ha- is, this, is this the end of the other letter? That's the Okay. Yeah. I think we should out of hand, because A, he's obvious, but also he's been working on it. Mm-hmm. I think we should just discount Jordan Peele. Well, he's he's already on the news. Exactly, we, we just we, zone, we're leaving so, yeah. him out of it. It seems like an obvious answer, but I think we we leave Jordan Peele out of yeah, the, it for the, the sake of conversation. The new Twilight Zone, not great. Um, I still haven't seen it actually. Okay, yeah, just the writing on that show is really off. Mm. Um, uh, Jordan Peele's a good choice for that. Oh, there's, there's yeah. some interesting stories, but yeah, the scripts are just so bad. Um, Hmm. What what are some filmmakers? Yeah, that are now. Th- who are the directors from the? It was uh, eighty three. It, it was John was, Landis. Yeah. Well, La- uh, Landis it, it was, was Spielberg. Spielberg. Uh, there was uh, Joe Dante. Joe Dante and, and George Miller. That's right. And George Miller did Terror Twenty Thousand Feet. George Miller did Terror Twenty Thousand uh, Feet. Joe Dante did It's a Good Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spielberg did Kick, the, Kick can, the Can, and I forget the name of the John Landis one. Yeah. But it was one where a guy went. Go- it was one where the bigot went back through time and experienced the world from people yeah, who had been and, oppressed. And, yeah. and there's a, actually a rather excellent episode of Cursed Films. Uh, on Shutter yeah. about the making of it and it, uh, like everything that happened on the set of, yeah. of Twilight Zone the movie, uh, really horrible things happened. So you want people um, who are you want people who understand allegory, but when people understand hmm. uh, big ideas. You also want people who are inventive and yeah. will push um, each one as far as they can go. 
no question, Shyamalan. Uh, yeah. his, his movies are like yeah, Twilight I'm Zone episodes yeah. anyway. He would make a, a really great uh, Twilight Zone short. That's a great idea. Um, which one? Which one do you think he'd make? Oh gosh, um, what, one of the odd ones, like the one about the dolls stuck in the bottom of the trash can. Okay. Like that, that. That would be a good one. All right. Uh, there aren't. Who, who's a good filmmaker who's like really good with grotesquerie? Like um, uh, James Wan. James James Wan. Uh, James Wan would be great, actually. It, but what he'd have to do something that's a little more action packed, a lot more incident. What's no, it, not necessarily. It just has to be like super stylish. I think you mm. could do. Um, um, I'm trying to think. Like what was like a uh, maybe the one with it? the masks. Oh, the mask. Yeah, would be that'd, that'd be a good one. That'd be James fun. Wan. Yeah, I like that one. Everyone, mm. uh, everyone was uh, forced to wear a mask. Oh, you know what would be a good one for? You know, what would be good for M Night Shyamalan, mm. and you can maybe find a new twist on it. Uh, the one about the guy who like wanders into a monastery where they're keeping uh, a man who's screaming in pain prisoner, and they keep telling him don't let him out, but yeah. and the guy keeps saying I have to let him out; it's the only decent thing to do, and that doesn't go well. Uh, I don't think I remember that. You remember that one? Yeah. Oh, it's a classic. It's All a classic. Right. It's a good one. I think that'd be a good one for him. I forget what it's called, but that'd be a good one. Um, uh, I would love to. Let's see. I'm trying to think of like directors who are already sort of predisposed to this kind of project. Julia Ducourneau. Julia Ducourneau would do would a good do, one. I would like to see Julia Ducourneau do something like really heady, mm. like uh, that one where it was like it was basically like a whole bunch of different characters without ruining the ending. A whole bunch of like really different people, like a soldier and a clown and a mm. ballerina, trapped at the bottom of like a giant tube. I I, I just said that for Shyamalan. Oh, is that the one? Yeah, it's the what? same one. Oh, I, I forgot that. Yeah. What's it called? I, I don't remember the title. Okay. But yeah, um, Never mind then. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> that was, the, that was the, just the one I mentioned. Then for, I'm just... For Shyamalan, but yeah. Then uh, I'm just a fool, aren't I? Julia Ducourneau could do a, a good one in that, yeah. in that capacity. Uh, Panos Cosmatos. Mm, that'd be cool. Maybe. Who, yeah. Who, who did uh, uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. No, and, that's and, uh, and Mandy. Mandy. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. I buy that. So, be... Something really kind of slow and heady. Yeah. Like one of those last last person on Earth uh, stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and fuck it. Christopher Nolan could do one of the <laughs> time loop episodes. I think, I think you'd want Christopher Nolan. I think Christopher Nolan has that kind of... Sometimes Twilight Zone could be all intellect. Mm. I think you could do that. I wonder who could do... I think the, the, the one episode I would like to see done, because I think there's a lot of poetry to it, mm. uh, is The Hitchhiker. Remember um, the woman who like keeps seeing a hitchhiker along the road and she keeps trying to escape him and he's always in front of her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a bit of a cliche now, but I think there's something they, they like re, really they redid that in Creepshow too. They did. Mm. They made it more gruesome, but yeah, they far did. more gruesome. Yeah, that's you're right. They did kind of do it again yeah. in Creepshow too. I guess yeah, that's not bad. Um, well, um, nobody remembers Creepshow too. This films from like 1989 or something. Well, that's the, I remember the raft. The raft scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Oh yeah, the raft. Yeah. That's a good one in that one, but. Um, Jeez, uh, I'm trying to think. See, there was there was the one with the the cigar store Indian. There was the one with yeah, the, old uh, old chief Woodenhead. I think chief Woodenhead. Yeah, there yeah, was only three in that one. There was yeah. that one. There was the raft, and then there was the the, um, the hitchhiker. going my way or something like that. Yeah. That's what it's called. And then there was the wraparound with the uh, with the animation, which was really quite bad. <laughs> like when, it, it's 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 a when terrible, kid, stupid ending. When you're kid when you're a kid and you see that movie on TV, it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, or because uh, you don't want to, you don't want to go just because they had Spielberg in there too. But you got to remember that every once in a while, uh, Twilight Zone mm. was kind of wondrous. Yeah, it wasn't pure because we're we're veering a lot more into the horror mm. or uh, uh, the sci-fi. So I think who, who's someone who's like kind of inspiring? Someone who like uh, well, somebody, uh, well, I mean Spielberg would do it again. I'm sure, of course he but would. um, I would like to. I don't see... know if you want to open that can of worms, mm. actually. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he wants to go through the interviews. The original is, I don't think he wants to go bad, through but, the interviews. Um, b- 
But uh, someone like Richard Linklater could do okay. one that's like really just sort of talky, a lot of dialogue, a lot of discussion. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. Uh, oh, the epi- do you remember the episode with Robert Redford as mm-hmm. the, the lost man who had to sort of like talk his way into the old woman's apartment? Oh, that's such a classic. Yeah. yeah. I could see Linklater doing an episode like that where mm. there's like a lot of hope, but there's still a twist at the end. Yeah. I would like to see, because there's some of them, some of them were actually kind of interesting from uh, – from a feminist perspective, well, mm. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's like number twelve looks just like me. It was about a woman who, it was like a young girl who uh, was oh, fighting the- because, like, in her society, when you reach when you come of age, mm. you pick which body you're going to have, and there's only a limited number because there's oh, all conformity. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically about how, as you age up as a young woman, society will tell you what to be as a woman, and she mm. doesn't want to, and she doesn't want to, and she doesn't want to, and it, mm. that's Twilight Zone. It ends badly. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know what? I can see Julie Ducarneau, because uh, yeah. I've seen two of her movies. She did Raw and she did Titan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and those are very sort of like body horror oriented. And yeah. um, there is one about a, a woman who is being stalked by fake bodies oh, in yeah, a department yeah. store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, Julie Ducarneau creepy. could do that one. It was some yeah. like creepy mannequin stuff. Yeah, I could buy that. Mm. Um, it's fun to think about, it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, let us know who you'd like to do. I'd say that'd be kind of fun. Um, I, 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 God, I didn't know when I was a kid when that Twilight Zone movie came out. I didn't know any of the controversy. Oh God! So there no, was like yeah. stuff about that movie I really love, and it's so hard well, the, to revisit the, uh, it now. I, I watched it when I was maybe a little too young, and I yeah. the, the Joe Dante sequence is the one with the magic boy, right? Yeah, with like the really and, terrifying rabbit. Like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, those that, those monsters scared. scared the hell out that of me. That thing is so back loaded yeah. with horror. Like the Joe Dante one is terrifying, and the the Terror Twenty Thousand Feet. Mm. That monster scared the living crap out of me. <laughs> that is a scary yeah. ass fucking thing. Like, I, oh my God. I got to see an interview with Richard Matheson, who wrote the original story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. science fiction giant beyond, uh, besides. Wrote the incredible Shrinking Man, incredible wrote I Am Man. Legend. And uh, he, uh, somebody asked, like, there there was the TV version of Terror 20,000 Feet uh, mm-hmm. with Shatner, and then there was the movie version of Terror 20,000 Feet with John Lithgow. Yeah. Which do you like better? He's like, oh, Sh- the Shatner one is so much better. Mm. Because he wanted it to be a story of just sort of an ordinary person slowly going mad and yeah. when we this is George Miller doing it in 1983 so he starts and you're already insane right and well, it's, you have it's to go John Lithgow is, John Lithgow is already a nervous wreck in that one yeah. the idea is that he William Shatner is, is mildly uncomfortable on an airplane mm-hmm. John Lithgow is phobic of flying from mm-hmm. the start and, uh, and it's, the, uh, it's, a, it's a choice the, uh, also, the monster is way better in the second one. Well, and, and but that's what he said. He yeah. said the monster looked a lot better in the original. It looks like a panda bear. <laughs> uh, well, like it looked better in the original. No, he said he said the new one looked a lot better. Oh, the new one the original, okay, yeah. it was like a guy in a big fur suit. He yeah, said that, it looked like a panda. Never looked good. Um, never looked good in the original. Yeah. Uh, did you? There's another one as well. With I know. Adam Scott. I, you told me about this. It sounds awful. <laughs> but they changed the premise. It's yeah. not. There's the thing on the wing of the plane. Uh, he's on a plane and he's listening to a podcast. And the podcast is predicting everything he's about to do. Well, then that's not the same thing, is it? No, but it's called Terror 20,000 Feet. Oh, for God's sake. It's it's really not good. Anyway, uh, Uh, we should move on. Yeah, here's Uh, another letter. letter. This letter comes from Starship. Hello, Starship. Uh, 
Dear sirs, sorry this email runs a bit long. Oh, yeah. whatevs. Uh, first off, I want to say that I remember Whitney saying way back in March that Lucky was probably going to make his best of the year list, and I was happy to see that it actually did. Hey, I really go. enjoyed that movie. Have you seen it yet? It's on No, Twitter. no, I'm, I'm going to at some point. Whitney, if you know what we're talking about, there's a horror movie that Whitney put on his best of the year list that kind of escaped most people's attention. Yeah, it, was, um, it wasn't being talked about at all, and I, I, I loved it. And I give people, listen, I, I, I say this a lot. If you say a movie should end up on your top ten list, before the end of the year, mm. you're taking a big fucking chance and you need to be able to stick to those guns and kudos to you for doing it. I, I still love it. Well, I, I'm just saying, I think you, Lucky you, is still great. Even in, even in good circumstances, there could just be better movies that come out that yeah. year. You or, know? Or, like, or you love it and then it just sort of falls away from yeah, you. That happens, happens sometimes too. Uh, secondly, Bibbs, I remember you saying in a recent podcast that you can't hate Million Dollar Arm because it touched you in a personal way. I have a film like that. Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, no. Uh, well, oh, let, let, goodness. Let's hear out Starship. I'm um, hearing them out, but this is not a beloved when, film. Uh, when I was in <laughs> high amazing. school, I had a crippling bout of anxiety where I was terrified to even leave my house, and I cried every time I had to. Wow. It was a miserable time for me. For whatever reason, I watched Christmas with the Cranks, and it was so safe and predictable that it actually comforted me. Aww. It's mediocrity made me feel normal and things could, uh, and that things could get better and I could feel safe again. It's not a great movie and it will, but it will always hold a place in my heart for helping me get out of that awful spiral. I was in the leavening power of mediocrity. Yeah. <laughs> something to consider. No, that's what, that's what, why, why do you think I always try mm. to give attention to Hallmark movies? You know, there's mm. something of, they, they have a power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, the main purpose of this email, since it went over so well last year, I thought I would once again share my top 10 list of discoveries I made in 2021. Oh, that's cool. Since I wasn't trapped at home quite as much this year, I didn't see as many movies as I did last year, but I did see a pretty good number of them, and here are the 10 that really stood out in alphabetical order. So no, these these are not necessarily new films, they're older films that you uh, saw for the first that, time. That Starship saw for the first okay. time. Okay. Uh, number one, Arsenic and Old Lace. I'm ah. going to watch this every October from now on, what a delight. It's an awesome Halloween it's, movie. It's really, really it good. Enough. It's uh, it, Cary Grant finds out that his two lovable, kindly old aunts have been serial killers this whole time. They've been poisoning their lodgers. It's so Great. And, and uh, a, a, a f- their, I think he's their nephew. Be- yeah, he's their nephew. Believes he's Theodore Roosevelt, and mm. they tell him to dig locks in the Panama Canal when he's really just burying bodies in the basement. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's so great. Uh, number two, Chasing Sleep. Really interesting little thriller from 2000, starring huh. Jeff Daniels. Don't uh, remember that one. Number three, uh, The Coal Miner's Daughter. First Tommy Lee Jones movie mm. on my list. Nicely done. Uh, number four, Gaslight. The first Ingrid Bergman film on my list. Mm-hmm. Great um, movie. Number five, Hard Boiled. The action is great, and I had no idea how hot Chow Yun Fat could be. Oh um, my, yes, very hot indeed. Oh, he's yeah, he's he's totally oh, charming in that. Goodness movie. gracious, see the killer next if you haven't. Oh my yeah. god. Uh, number six, The Miracle Worker. That acting, man. Oh, that wow. acting. Yeah, great movie. Uh, yeah, The Miracle Worker's real. I got to see that on, uh, for the first time on the big screen. Ooh, I was fortunate for that. I, I saw that in mm-hmm. school. They wheeled oh. in the cart. <laughs> TV on nice. it, like, yeah. uh, number seven, Stromboli, the second Ingrid Bergman film on my list. Oh, uh, I haven't seen Stromboli. I haven't seen Stromboli yeah. either. Uh, number eight, Superman. I don't know why it took me so long to see this, but I'm glad I finally did. Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder were charming AF in it. Yeah. Uh, I, lo- I love that Superman. Christopher the, Reeve. The, the, the Richard Donner film. I, I have so a good. few issues with like the story mm. of the Christopher Reeve movies, like the, at least the first two everyone loves so much. Mm. Christopher Reeve is perfect. <laughs> He's perfect. One of the most perfect pieces mm. of casting 
anyone has ever done in a film. Just he, he gets the sort of he understands it now. toughness and the torture, but more than anything, just sort of the, the gee whiz decency. Well, he, under, he understands that the difference between Clark Kent and Superman is only posture. More or less. <laughs> That's yeah. it. It's so great. Um, number nine, Volcano. Yes! The second, and obviously superior Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> movie on my list. As as Los Angeles natives, we kind of have to like Volcano. Hey, Volcano's fun, dude. <laughs> there, there's there's a line of, of dialogue in Volcano where they say, okay, it the, the wave of lava is pushing its way slowly through Beverly Hills. Tell everybody to empty their pools because the lava <laughs> will fill up the pools and that's less lava we have to deal with. Sure. In the, that's I how mean, that works. The water would vaporize. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's lava. It's lava for God's sake. Yeah, the whole point of the whole plot of volcano is a volcano erupts underneath the La Brea tar pits mm. in Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> no, it starts to cut like bubble up uh, and under. The Natural History Museum. Well, because it's but right it, next it, to it. It ends yeah. up like there's like faults running all throughout Los Angeles. Yeah. So there's all this lava coming up out of the ground everywhere. Yeah, it's so fucking And hilarious. it ends up erupting in this big, huge plume right next to the Beverly Center. Yeah. Uh, which I is mean, a, a, a really awful mall uh, over by, uh, it's by Beverly and, La, not La Brea. It's uh, Beverly oh, and Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's a terrible mall. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's difficult to get into. The parking yeah. sucks. There's not good shops in it. It's no. it's one of the worst malls. Yeah. Uh, but you know the. They thought to sort of incorporate all these LA icons. I was always movie. impressed that because when the when the volcano erupts, uh, a big piece of magma flies off and hits the Angeline sign, mm. and I'm like, that is not close. That's actually pretty far the, away. I, th- I think the Angeline sign was on Melrose when that movie was made. Was it so, really? Yeah. Okay, well, I guess it was pretty close. Well, kind of close, but it wasn't Closer there, than where yeah. it is now, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and number 10, Weekend. Uh, ah, there you go. Oh, and Godard's Weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is the only Godard movie I've seen. I was totally in those movies' wavelength, and I loved it. Yeah, Godard was on a hot streak there for, like, in the 60s. Yeah. Um, I need to, I need and, to and give then, Godard then, a more, of a, more of a college try. Every time. Somehow, I've, I've uh, always uh, picked the wrong Godard film to start with. Disappeared up his own butt. And, oh, yeah. And then continued to do so, and is continuing like, to his, do his so. His more recent stuff is this, I, I can't get through, but, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I see why people like him. I've just never seen the Godard film that clicked. Where I'm like, uh, have, oh, I love this. Have you seen Vive Sa Vie? I, that is not that, one I've seen. That's Maybe the I one that, that unlocked there. it for me. So okay. I think, uh, uh, it's, right. it's like a, a more accessible emotional version of Breathless. Okay. You know, and, and from a, a woman's perspective. Yeah. Uh, thank you for all continuing to put out such great, such great work. I love your podcast, especially Only the Best. Mm. Wish you a happy 2022. Sincerely, Starship. Well, thank you for writing. That's great. Um, I, I myself, uh, I used to keep lists like that. And then my hard drive destroyed. And now I don't have like a list of like my film discoveries for like last year or whatever. Mm. I'd love to share with you. Uh, I don't remember most of them <laughs> because they all just kind of, bl- I watch a lot of movies. Dang it. Um, I think we have time for one or two more. What all right. Um, here's a letter from name redacted. It's not signed off. Okay. Um, hello from Florida, the land of Disney world and Ron DeSantis barf. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we, we all got them. Don't we now? Um, Anyways, I have a couple of questions for you guys. Feel free to answer them all or pick and choose whichever ones you like best. I'll read them all. Uh, Number one, my favorite TV show is Gilmore Girls. From the fast-paced dialogue to the small town charm, what's not to like? Okay, seasons five to seven were pretty bad, (laughs) and the revival was a letdown, but that doesn't count. Uh, Anyway, one of the show's hallmarks is sprinkling obscure obscure pop culture references into their conversations, even if the person they're speaking to won't get the joke. My question is, what are some of your favorite pop culture references that you make, even though you're almost certain people won't pick up on them? Um, Any single time I say the word cute, Mm. and I'm not referring to like a cat, 
Mm. Uh, I am saying it the way Robert Redford says it in sneakers. <laughs> and almost no one ever gets it. Like, Hi, my voice is my passport. Verify me. Cute. cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I have so many. Uh, there's my, my wife and I were both fans of uh, Homestar Runner. Yeah. Uh, the, the college cartoon phenomenon that was so big in 2002. And... Like maybe a fifth of our dialogue is quotations from Homestar Runner. Like it's go. leaked that deeply into our con, yeah, our uh, consciousness. Um, I'm trying to think. Of, oh, um, whenever we get in a car and I'm trying to freak out a driver, or just sort of playfully f- trying to freak out a driver, I will often yell, "Watch out for that truck!" Nice. Uh, that is a line of dialogue from the movie Brain Donors. Okay. Where uh, uh, Roland Flackfizer is in the, the golf cart. Yeah. And he's being driven around. It's like, okay, sit down. Okay, driver, drive on. And he just yells, watch out for that truck! To try to freak out the driver, playfully. Yeah. Um, that's that's a quote I yeah. know. We, uh, uh, my partner and I am Lampus Da Silva. We have a lot of like little things that we tend to quote and nobody, nobody gets. Um, anytime we hear anything that even remotely sounds like the word Justin. Like we're talking about someone named Justin or Justice comes up. Uh, we quote like a not very well remembered moment from the secret of Nim. Okay. Who's Justin? The leader of the rats, the leader of the rats. How could you do this to me? We do that every single time. Nobody, nobody gets it. (laughs) Nobody's with us on it. Nobody ever joins us along. We do it every single time. I'm not sure how sure, how common this is, but you always make me laugh when you say in front of my salad, uh, I'm Is not that gonna, obscure again? I, I don't know if that's obscure or if that was ever traveling around in Memeville. But, <laughs> really? Uh, right in front of my salad? Okay. Right in front of my salad? Yeah. Look that one up. I'm sure that's, that's on no that is me. That is, that is not safe for work, by the way. No. Just the heads oh, up. If you're over the age of 18 or, <laughs> yeah. or of, of a, the age of it's, consent in whatever state you're in. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a naughty thing. It's a naughty uh, thing. But I, a naughty I, reference. I was, I was introduced to that uh, because Alonzo Duralde quoted that in a in a radio interview. And mm. I had no idea what he was talking about. And he had to explain it to me. And it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> in front of my salad. Really? Right in front of my salad? Okay. Um, Jesus. Uh, we, we all got him. And the older mm. you get, the more you realize that just young people don't know what you're talking about anymore. Yeah. yeah. Because, oh, I, I thought everyone remembered Chill Factor. No one remembers Chill Factor, dude. I, I wrote a, I wrote an article today for Slash Film yeah. uh, about 12 Angry Men. Uh, oh, there you go, yeah. Great movie. One of, maybe one of my favorites. Uh, and prejudice is a big part of that movie. Sure. You know, sort of over, overcoming your own prejudices. And I, I titled one of the chapters um, Prejudice. Wrote a song about it. Like to hear it. Hear it go. Uh, which is the opening line of dialogue from En Vogue's For Your Mind. Uh, uh-huh. So I got to drop in a little En Vogue reference. Um, nice. Will anybody get that? Will my editors get that? No. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I, one of my editors at Slash Film is uh, considerably younger than me, and I made reference to the term L7. Mm. And they thought I was making a reference to the movie The Sandlot, because that's where they had heard that term. You're an L7 weenie. That's the quote. Okay. And they asked, you know, can I put some... So it means square. Yeah. Form your fingers into an L and a 7, put them together, you form a square. Yeah, you're that's being a means. square. You're yeah. being L7. Uh, and they asked if they uh, could put in some reference to The Sandlot around it, so readers might understand what I was talking about, because that's what they thought I was referring to. Uh-huh. Were you referring to the band? Well, no, the term 
comes before the band I, and the movie. Yeah, I didn't say it could have been different. I, and I am a big fan of the band. I love L Seven. That was a great band. Yeah, yeah. Get, get smell the magic. Uh, Fast <laughs> and frightening is awesome. It'll make you want to punch someone in the face. And it's great. Uh, <laughs> or, or shove. They have a song called yeah. Shove, which is about shoving people around, and it's wonderful. Whitney, I'll say this for Whitney. Whitney mm. has very good taste in music. <laughs> I, I notoriously have terrible taste in music. Whitney has very good taste in music. I. I mm, that that's debatable, but uh, I'm ending the debate my, right now. My my uh, my wife might disagree with you. She has she has, she has better taste there. than both of us, yeah. and my partner has better taste than than uh, everyone. But okay. But uh, I, I had to explain to this whippersnapper that L7 is a slang term, and they agreed to put a link to like ur- Urban Dictionary or like a slang dictionary that explained what it meant <sighs> for any young listeners who might uh, young readers who might not know what the term L7 means. Nice. Uh, Anyway, there's yeah. all, all kinds of obscure slang. Anyway, we should move on. Uh, n- number two, there's three three points here. Uh, okay. Number two, uh, this question is pretty straightforward. Have you ever championed a film only to change your mind years later, and why? Um, um, sure. Th- oh, this happens a lot. Um, I think William and I both had a big reckoning with The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Uh, that's, oh, yeah, that was a big one. That's a film I, you know, I, I carried a, a flag for for many, many years, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until... I got to hear from some trans critics uh, how damaging that film was to the yeah. trans community and perceptions of trans people and how a lot of anti-trans, like real world anti-trans legislation takes a lot of these myths that were perpetuated by fictions like mm-hmm. The Silence of the Lambs yeah. and are turning them into actual danger for real life people. Like there's so much, so, there's, there's um, a lot of amazing things in The Silence of the Lambs. That, in, that, yeah, that's true. And I in think terms I, of filmmaking yeah. and in terms of feminism, there's still great things to be found in it. But it had real world mm. negative repercussions. Like really, so, really uh, bad. It hurt a lot of people. So it's, so dif- it's difficult to champion that film it's now, isn't it? It's very difficult to champion um, that film. There's certain things mm. in that movie that are great, but man, as a whole, mm. it has a lot to answer for. And yeah. I've had to... So, uh, and that, 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 you're right. That was a movie that... Very, I, I love the Hannibal Lecter stories, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of problematic shit in there that yeah, I've had yeah. to deal with, and I have to like... It's one of the reasons why I like the series Hannibal. I think they kind of reclaimed a lot of that queerness mm-hmm. and made it more positive, or at the very least uh, uh, made it more central and not something that is so thoughtlessly thrown out and demonized mm. and um yeah um it, so that's 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 mm. the that, ultimate that, example that's one. i feel um, yeah um th- this one's just an embarrassing one i've mentioned it before but mm. when i was a teenager i really fell in love with uh brett leonard's film the lawnmower man uh, i thought it was <laughs> Just so so bleeding edge cyber technology, man. It's really like this for total moment, mind fog. The moment and, there was nothing like it. No, and, and and yeah, the year yeah. it came out, it's like this. This is kind of a unique film, and uh, like all of the reviews were really negative. My friends yeah. all hated. It. It's like no, no, and, and look, here's I got the director's cut on VHS. Let's watch it. It's better. It is better. The director's mm-hmm. cut. Still not a good movie. No, I agree. I, that. I had it's a lot to, better. The eventually, had to take my past self by the scruff of the neck and say, mm-hmm. shut up. Stop selling the lawnmower man to your parents. They're not going to like it. Yeah, there's. It's interesting. Uh, sometimes I find myself like there were movies that I saw as a kid that I thought I liked, and it's only after listening to other critics talk about how that movie made them felt that I realized that I was shutting off a part of myself that didn't like it. I was like shutting them up because oh, okay. I'm supposed to like The Goonies. Okay. There's just, stuff to like in the Goonies. Mm. There's stuff to like in the Goonies. The cast is good. There's some fun, like you know, pirate traps. I love that uh, weird, awesome piano with the bone keys. All mm. that shit's cool. All the adventure stuff is pretty. There's fun, a lot of yeah. cool adventure stuff in there. There's also a fair amount of racism. 
mm. ableism and something that I really wasn't processing how much it hurt me when I was a kid was the way that the fat kid was treated. Yeah, the, his nickname is Chunk for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, for God's sake. When they force Here's, him to do the truffle truffle yeah. shuffle and it humiliates him and he has to do it anyway because otherwise he won't be his friends. Like, I, I was really processing that as a kid. Mm. And I got to tell you, it... it I thought I was supposed to like it, but no, honestly, it would hurt me then and it hurts now, and it's not fun to watch that I'll, movie. Uh, I'll, I'll say this uh, in in Chunk's defense. He's the best character in that movie. In a lot of ways, yeah. Uh, the, the lead character is not terribly interesting. Yeah, he's just sort There's, of this weird... I- he's just an idealist. Like, that's all yeah, he's got. He's an he's idealist. Got big all the other kids kind of, eventually kind of, like, mush together in this, like, mm-hmm. massive noise. There's all these other characters kind I kinda, of I kind of respect Corey Feldman in that movie. I think he's always bringing a little something to his to his characters. But yeah. basically, that's it. The, the, yeah. the bit where... Um, uh, Chunk is yeah. is kidnapped by the bad guys, and they say, "Tell us everything you know." And he just f- spills forth what, like all this guilt of this like these pranks he played, and yeah. like I, I farted and I blamed it on the dog. And then he tells this story about how he mixed up a bag of goop and pretended to vomit off of a a balcony in a movie theater, and he poured yeah. it on people's heads, and it made people actually barf. And he said, "I never felt so bad." That is a, a moment of relatable <laughs> gold. <laughs> It's a great performance yeah. he gives in that scene. It's yeah. a funny story. I'd say, I'd say it's not a complete wash. Yeah. It's just like Tom's Lens. It's not a complete wash. But there's, so, so there's the, some they, they treat there. him badly and they make fun of his mm. size, but he he survives because he's the best character. I, yeah, that's fair. So there, fair. there's at least some positivity there's something to, to be, to, to be there. found But there's in also that. other shit I yeah, don't like about yeah. it. Anyway. And number three. Ah. Uh, and finally, I work in a nine to five office job and sometimes the mundane can be a bit bleak. Happy hours. Potlucks. People replying all to emails. Oh, God. Can you recommend any films that poke fun at office culture or that are just about quirky personalities that you meet in office settings that isn't office space lol? Uh, thank you for taking the time to read this. Your podcasts help me through my one-hour commute and make the traffic next to me uh, wonder why I'm cackling to myself. Some of my favorite bits that come to mind are when Luca gets rowdy in the background or whenever <laughs> Bibbs gets, uh, gets to do a funny segue such as, Speaking of hookers... <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep up the great work and cheers and a happy healthy 22 uh, 22 p.s tick tick boom is so effing good man hashtag andrew garfield forever hashtag vanessa hudson's so talented heart um uh, movies yeah. about office culture clock watchers oh i've never seen clock watchers yeah um with parker posey lisa kudrow yeah. uh, uh tony collette and a, a fourth uh, actress who is I'm, hope I'm davis in that on. parker posey I said Parker Posey. Um, Parker Posey, Lisa Kudrow, um, Iodi Sky, Tony, Col- Tony Collette, and uh, and a fourth actress whose name is escaping me right now. I'm gonna look it up. Uh, yeah, and that's about these these four women who work in an office and sort of how the the petty life of living there it just sort of gets under their skin. Alana Ubach. Alana Ubach. Okay. Yeah. Not uh, as famous as the others. I can see how that you, that you slipped that one. Uh, yeah. But yeah, a, a good uh, sort of office life indie touchstone from the late 90s. That one's yeah. a really good one. Uh, I was going to recommend the uh, underseen and very slight, but very, very good Bartleby with Crispin Glover I, I and I think David Painter. But it's uh, it's based off of a Bart- um, Melville. Uh, it's based on a Herman story. Melville story about uh, a guy who works at an office and his boss. Uh, is just this kind of dweeby middle management type guy. And he tells this guy, Bartleby, hey, I need you to do this assignment. And the guy, rather than just doing the assignment, says, well, I'd prefer not to. Mm -hmm. And the guy's like, oh, 
And, and he has no answer for He has that. no answer to that. And so he ends up like, and ultimately that's what, anytime he tells Bartleby to do anything, he says he'd prefer not to. Mm. And this guy doesn't know what to do with that. And Bartleby ends up kind of like undoing his whole existence just because he is just, not even being a dick about it, mm. just admitting that he'd rather not do things. It's basically, the, the original story is basically the nugget that whether directly or indirectly probably turned into office space. Yeah. That's they're clearly related on um, some level. So if you like Office Space, Bartleby's a good one. I'm trying to think of uh, like office, like workplace films. Nine to five. I, I, That's a classic. I haven't seen all of nine to five. You've never seen all of nine no, to five. I, oh my I, god! I saw parts of it when I was a kid. Nine to five was great. If you've never seen um, it, it's uh, Dolly Parton, Jane Fonda, and uh, Lily, Liv- Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. Uh, and uh, they have a sexist boss played by Dabney Coleman, mm. and he's just running them into the ground and never gives them promotions, and he's sexist. And uh, eventually, they end up kidnapping him in his own house. And while he's out, they end up improving the entire workforce. <laughs> because he was holding everyone back with his shit. Yeah. Uh, the movie is damn near perfect. It gets <laughs> really, really great. Um, you've probably seen like Kevin Smith's Clerks or yeah. or Barbershop. Uh, you know, movies where just people are at their job having conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of fond of the movie The Intern. Is that with the, the Anne Hathaway? With Anne Hathaway I and Robert De Niro. Yeah, I never it's, saw it's that. A Nancy Myers film. And um, okay. Uh, it was, you know, it, it sort of, it, it seems like it's going to be like uh, intergenerational mm-hmm. slapstick comedy. It's uh, Robert De Niro plays a man in his 70s who, uh, in order just to keep busy, uh, decides to get an internship at this tech uh, upstart run by Anne Hathaway. And, you know, she's a, a little bit, you know, she's very business focused and he's a lot more experienced. And, you know, will he get along in this hot new environment? Mm-hmm. Will, he, will he be able to teach these young whippersnappers a thing or two? And it actually becomes incredibly thoughtful and about mm. sort of how difficult it is to run a business, no matter what generation you're of. And a lot of personal details start dropping really heavily into this movie. And it becomes yeah. very dramatic by the end. Mm. Uh, not not a, a classic, but I think yeah. it's it was very much overlooked. I think it was kind of dismissed yeah. by a lot of people. Uh, this movie is really hyper stylized and it takes place in a different era. Uh, but it's one of my favorites. It's the Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> the idea of, of business as this really fast-moving machine mm. uh, that will grind you up inside of it, and just one really plucky idealist who uh, accidentally worms his way up the corporate ladder is, like, mm. super-duper charming and cute, mm. and um, I, that movie makes me laugh like nobody's business. I, I never understood why that movie doesn't have bigger fans. Like, that movie's um, a treat. Uh, not Soderbergh's Kafka. Okay. Uh, it's, it's just not good. Um, okay. Like, uh, you know how, how Kafka just, like... He, or K, the character of K in the Kafka stories just can't get to the castle, and that's sort of the point. Uh-huh. Like she never gets there. We get to see what's in that castle in Steven Soderbergh's movie. Um, oh, great. If you want a, a good sort of surrealist uh, office place comedy, you can try being John Malkovich. Oh, that's a good choice. Uh, yeah, I like which, that, yeah. Uh, takes place on, I think it's on the seven and a half floor of an office building where yeah. every, like the ceiling is half the size and everything's really tiny. Yeah, that's and, how it feels too, yeah. And uh, in this little surreal, sp- and uh, John Cusack plays a guy who's really good at filing. Like that's yeah. his talent. Uh, he's actually a puppeteer, so he's good with his hands. So he's also very good at filing. Yeah. And uh, in order to get the job, he sits down with his smiling boss who's like, not really connected to reality and he holds up two pieces of paper the audience can't see them is like which of these letters comes first in the alphabet john cusack looks at them for a long time he points to one of them and says 
That one's not a letter. <laughs> this is you're hired. <laughs> I thought I could trick you. <laughs> and uh, and the surrealist gag in the film is that behind one of the uh, filing cabinets, he finds yeah. this little passageway. It's this black space, and he slides inside of it, and in so doing, finds his consciousness occupying the body of John Malkovich, the actor playing yeah. himself. And can just sort of view it for a little bit. And then it spits him out and he ends up like somewhere. It, it, he's off a highway. He's, yeah, like, yeah. Like yeah. off, off a, a turnpike in yeah. New Jersey. Like he one just sort of, of appears w- there. One of the straight up weirdest concepts of any movie. And yet it was a hit. Like, it's it's like a great movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. Like it's really unlike anything else. Like, it's, it's yeah, great. Yeah, but like, weird uh, concepts yeah. of identity and sexuality start getting folded into that movie. Yeah, like and, it's, but it's, yeah. it all comes from this sort of surrealist view of the workplace. Uh, the, the late 90s were really trying to take down the workplace. Yeah. It was seen as kind of like hell. Jerry Maguire does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, clock Stoppers. Office Space Office, is the, obvious, Office Space yeah, is the yeah. obvious example. Fight Club is a big part of that. American Definitely. Beauty is a big thing about yeah. that. Uh, yeah, if, if you're looking for things that are just sort of taking down office culture, go to any film made between 97 and 99. You're probably going to find at least a couple. Yeah. Uh, In the Company of Men is another one, but that's oh god, that, that, that's, No, uh, that's the opposite of funny. Yeah. That's one of the most vicious, mean-spirited movies ever made. Yeah, it's good, it's, it, but it's mean. It, it's excellent, but it's going to hurt. It's it's a... Ouch, yeah, that fucking film. Um, yeah, American Psycho came out in 2000. Very that's, much the yeah. same similar vibe. Uh, back back in things that are nice, uh, Working Girl is great. <laughs> Working Girl is a great movie about about the office in the 1980s. Um, and she succeeds. And she does. It's great. No spoilers, but it's nice. It's not. It's a happy film. It's a, it's good, but it's well deserved. Um, yeah. Anyway, hopefully that that gives you some ideas. If anyone thought can, if anyone can think of any that we missed, I'm sure there are plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, um, 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 which is the one where. Um, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepper, and she, he's going to replace her with a computer. It's a desk set. Oh, um, uh, almost said the paper chase. That's not it. Um, yeah, it's a desk set, right? Yeah, I think, I think it's the desk set. Yeah, uh, that's that's a great one where uh, Catherine Hepburn uh, is in charge of a research department, and people will like call them up when they need information. And every single woman who works in this research department is so well read hmm. that you can ask them any bit of trivia, and one of them knows it. Yeah. And then Spencer Tracy is there to replace them with a new computer. And he, she's got to prove that they're better than a computer, computer, that she's more valuable than a computer anyway. Yeah. And uh, it's great. It's a great movie. I like uh, the, movie and uh, speaking of older movies, there's um, The Front Page, which uh-huh. was uh, kind of remade as uh, His Girl Friday. Yeah. Which uh, I actually, I'm, 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 I having rewatched His Girl Friday that uh, recently, Rosalind Russell is superlative, don't get me wrong. Uh, Front Page is actually kind of the better it's film. It's the better film. Yeah, yeah. It's like less less interesting characters because they're kind of a mass of characters. Yeah, but, but you get that great sense of place mm, and the get sense mm. of, of work identity. And ultimately, I feel as though like, there's this sort of mean spiritedness to the romance in that where like, mm. oh, she's going to end up with Cary Grant. He's terrible why? for her. Why? I wanted like, to get away I, from that's, that guy. That's, that, that kind of, that's the reason why the movie ends up like not working as well as... The original for me is because no, don't. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, anyway, hopefully they give you something to work with. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's it. I think that's it for uh, this week's hey. We've Got Mail. Uh, okay. Did you have something we want to read? No, just we have so many good letters this we week. We have that's so many all, letters yeah. this week, and it's great. And thank you so much for everybody. Uh, we know this this one's coming like kind of out of order because mm-hmm. we were able to get to the Apple Dumpling Gang earlier than the week than usual. So like, we, but we'll be back on track next week in the normal swing of things. Um but if you would like to email us and have your letter possibly read on an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail, uh, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. If you want to send us... Oh, hi, Luca. You want to say something? <laughs> Luca's just 
tapping you, like he's tapping on your he, shoulder. He likes he likes to get up on like his hind paws and just sort of like put his paws on the table like he's a muppet, mm-hmm. and just be like, "Hey, what's going on? What's what you guys doing?" Um. Anyway, we have a PO box, and we might read your yeah. your actual physical letter. Yeah, like, like on we did this week. Um, what is our yeah, PO box? it's uh, PO box six four one five six five, Los Angeles, California nine double zero six four. Yeah, write us, write us a thing. We like. We'd love to hear from you. And there's other ways to get in touch with us as well. Of course, we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I am at Whitney Seibel. We have a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Critically Acclaimed Network. We have a lot of bonus shows there. Uh, feel free to leave us a comment there. We also have uh, online hangouts once a month. Uh, mm-hmm. With uh, some of our uh, top tier uh, contributors, so that's another way to interact with us if that's how you prefer. Um, and um, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice <laughs> that you write us in. It we means like, a lot to us. We, we like hearing from you. This is it's, so it's so very, uh, very sweet of you. Um, so anyway, so have a great week. Have a great weekend. Uh, have a great everything. We love you dearly. And uh, sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney. <laughs>